Hey, how you doing, people? Uh, come on, so good. It is so good to have you here, and it's so good to be here with all of our, uh, our church. It's not an audience, it is our church. It is just a fragment of our church. The rest of you are on the other side of this camera. I want to start off by putting something out there that this series that we are about to start today, Gone But Not Forgotten. Gone But Not Forgotten. I want want you to write that down. I want you to believe for something in this room. Gone But Not Forgotten. I want to take a moment before we start or go any further, I want to put it out there. If you are feeling like maybe your best days are behind you, if you have asked or thrown the question up, even if you are the atheist of atheists, if at one point you have gotten to a point in your life solo that you have asked, God, is this it? Are you done with me? Are the best of my days behind me? I think it's finished. I think it's done. If you maybe feel like you are the least of these, if you feel like maybe your history disqualifies you, you're divorced and therefore you can't be used, if you feel like you don't have confidence, if you can't string words together comfortably, if you come from a background that is just too far gone, I want to just say and put this out there that this series is going to be for you. I believe that God is going to shift internal spaces. I believe that God is going to set up what has not been there. He's going to firm up what confidence has not been able to be there. I believe that He's going to cause you to look further than your exterior, further than what the labels that society has put on you. Because you've got to understand this, that the Bible has been filled with God utilizing those that the world have labeled as less than, and God uses them to do more than. Like that is a fact. Why? Because God loves when there is space for Him to show Himself faithful through the display and the blank canvas of our life. So if you are sitting on the other side of this series and you have thought to yourself, well, maybe there is no more for me. There is no more hope. It is done. I have arrived at my worst days and there is nothing else for me. I believe that this today is going to be the beginning of a journey that turns it around. So mark my words over the next six, seven weeks, I believe God is going to do something that transforms you, your life, our life together collectively. And I want to start off by reading something that we believe. If you're new to this, welcome to People Church. We have a statement, we the people. And it is based on the simple premise that now that we have seen, we are responsible. And it is on the simple premise that People Church has never been built on the brilliant. Right? Am I right, Gio? Why single Gio out? Why single Gio out, right? Because we all know he's not brilliant, right? Kidding, kind of. No, we're not. This is not about brilliance. You know what it's about? Humility. You know what it's about? Ordinary. You know what it's about? Everyday people. A movement. And whether you are anywhere around the world through this series, I want you to do this. I'm going to ask for you to keep shouting out where you're from. Because you might be the first, but we were the first in Chicago for a minute. We were, we were here before we were in Toronto or Barcelona or anywhere else, and it speaks to the power of one. And if you are out there, I want you to know you're not out there alone if we can partner together. I want to read you something in Luke. Let's read it real quick. It says this, Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. There is a precedent set here for every single one of us that come from little. That there is a juxtaposition that whilst we come from little, it means we have the opportunity to be forgiven much. So for those of us that start this series from a place of little, little hope, little, little aspirations for your marriage to shift and little hope for you to finally overcome that weight problem. And you might go, oh, wait, it doesn't matter. No, it is for somebody that maybe feels too ashamed to go out of their doors, to accomplish what they've got to do. I'm not here to put the worth on your stronghold. I'm just here to tell you that we all have them. And to whom much is given, much is required. And there's this paradigm here that this woman's going to love much because she started off with little. Now, I want to put this out there. 
that the beauty of this Christian walk and we the people as a statement and people church as a movement in nations across the world is that God will take people who started with little and he will use them to do much. What does that mean? It means this, that God will find you at your worst day and use you as the key instrument to unlock somebody's best day. If that's not a slap in the face to life, to the universe, if that's what you want to call it, I call it the devil because I know where it comes from. If that is not a slap in the face to it, then I don't know what is. That your God will find you at the midst of a breakdown and use you to be the crucial part of somebody's breakthrough. Yes, There's not hype. This is, not, this is just the reality of what church is and who Jesus is. And I believe in this series, Gone But Not Forgotten, yes. we're going to learn what it is to live in such a way that the ripple effects of our faithfulness, of our obedience, of our moments of walking on water yes. and sinking yes. would create something that is called legacy that lives well beyond you and me. If you came here for a series for you, keep in mind that this is going to be the series that is kind of for you but not about you. Ironic, because we are also in this series attacking an issue that the church has often stayed away from, not done well, humanity has mis misused and misappropriated, and we're going to attack it from a different lens. And I want to say this, this series, this, this topic, the problem isn't the way we look at it or what we're looking at, but the perspective that we're looking at it from. We're going to speak about generosity. But we're not going to speak about generosity like you've heard it, like you know it. I dare say that this generosity series, because I believe it's done the right way, is going to unlock healing, is going to bring trust, is going to restore marriages, is actually going to instill purpose. I know it's a big claim, but stick around and see if it does it. Okay? All right, so we're ready to pray. We pray all the time. Why? Because I'm kind of nervous, and I hate preaching to a camera, right? But first of all, Ralph Nay, so good to have you here, brother. Um, love you very much. And I just felt like God say this, that um, I just felt like God say, don't worry, he receives you. I felt like God saying that he has a, a plan set in motion and you didn't start or even arrive at it yet, you're just on the journey. And that God has not ever lost sight or faith in what he has for you. And that influence has been on your shoulders, it'll rest on your shoulders, but it will be found on your knees. Okay, let's go. All right, so we're going to pray. Uh, and I believe God's going to do something good. And if you, if you need hope, can I just tell you, this is not coming from someone that's always lived well. Okay? Depressed, anxious, worst days miscarriages, wanting to give up in ministry, all of it, and God still comes through. Why? Because he finds us in brokenness, and he uses us for breakthrough, okay? We the people, amen? amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's believe and lift up this series. Commit the next seven weeks for what God might do. Father, I just thank you that you love us. You've got plans for us, Father God. I thank you that you've chosen us for such a time as this, for anointing, Father God, for purpose, Father God. I thank you that God, every single one of us in this moment, from Ralph Nader to Geo, God, have been called by you, chosen by you. I pray that, God, you would silence the attacks of the enemy for those that are depressed, anxious, Father God, those who believe they're not enough, those who are stuck in a rut, Lord God, those who are battling their mentality, God, those who feel like they have labels that stop them from walking into the house, those that, Father God, have given up hope for areas of life, Father, those of us that are human and real and flawed, we come before you and we pray that this series, Lord God, might set things right. And that we, Father God, one day may go home, but we would not be forgotten. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Awesome. All right, I want to put something out there. I think, you know, for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be remembered. Everyone's like, wow, that sounds super, super vain from, you know, like, we're all vain, I guess. Even if I don't do a mirror selfie every now and then, I'm, I'm, I'm still... But why? Like, why do we want to be remembered? If we're really honest, we want to be remembered. Like, everyone wants to go back to their high school, like, what is it called? Uh, like, reunion. And you want people to, like, be like, dang, like, whoa, hold up a second. You look different, you know, in a good way. Like, we want to be remembered. 
We want to bump into people that have inflicted pain and we want to show them that we are at our best place ever. Like we want to be it and, and, and like most things in life, they actually come or can come from two different places. Might it be that you and I want to be remembered because God made us to be remembered? And might we often pursue being remembered out of brokenness and flawed intentions? Which means that we can actually understand that we must maybe seek out what the Bible speaks to us about why our life is caused to be one of, of memory. That people would look back and think, man, Geo, man, Courtney, you know, man, Etoa, like that, that life changed lives. Wow. What if this whole thing is about partnership? Wow. Like, we're out here sometimes trying to do it alone, and maybe your worst day is subject to a missing ingredient, a partner. Life's just better with a partner, right? You can do the worst road trip in the world, but you've got a good road trip partner, and it is just, it's, it's amazing. I once had to do this job. I was a stock taker, and the dude that ran the company, he, he was very proud of it. Uh, he said that one day, if I am really good at stock taking, that I might become one of his top guns. I, I think in his mind, he was thinking, you know, Tom, Tom Hanks, he's thinking like, I'm going to, and I was like, yes, sir. You know, like, I will count. Like, oh, that, kind of, that was kind of a slogan. But, you know, he, he kind of like had this idea, like this amazing thought. And it was the most boring job ever. But man, my best mate and I took the job. Man, we couldn't breathe most of the time laughing at stuff. He'd be throwing up packets of chips and I'd sideways, you know, like... Just like for us, and no one else probably thought it was good. Like everybody else probably walked into the store thinking, what's wrong with these guys? But we, man, we were thinking, we, it was just the best. Why? Because we had a partner. It was just something about that partnership. Let me tell you this. God's best from this earth, for this earth, has always been intended for partnership. Which means that if God's best hasn't yet made it to earth, maybe... He hasn't found the partner yet. Why do I say that? Let's just go to Exodus for a second. Because what we've got to understand is, a lot of people often ask, like, why, why, why Israel? Why Israel? Like, just favorite people? Just God was like, yeah, you'll do it. No, there was intention. In fact, it says that he didn't choose them because they were the largest or the most prominent. But there's a reason he chose them. Let's just read it real quick because it's going to set things up for us. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, covenant being the highest form of agreement, yeah. God is basically making a statement to the people. And he's saying this, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be before me a kingdom of priests and, holy, and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. He actually stops for a second. And this is a key moment in the Bible. God looks for a nation on earth. And he says, you. You're going to be my people. But the key here is that he says, you're going to be a holy priesthood. So he basically looked throughout the earth. What do priests do? They minister. A priest's job, the high priest in the Old Testament was there to stand back to the people, face before God, or face before, uh, back to God and face to the people. Basically, it was a mediator between God and humanity. He was the reconciler. He was the one that, you know that one friend that's always got the hookup? That one friend that just always, they know a guy. And sometimes you don't want to know where they know the guy from. Do you know what I mean? We had a guy in church in the early days, he always knew a guy. Always knew a guy. He got me a, a bike brand new, but don't ask where we got it. I just know a guy. I was like, you're, you're my priest. I'm not going to ask. You're my hood priest, okay? Like, the priest always faced the people. You ever wish you had somebody, like, you know, you ever got in trouble as a kid and you just would send your brother in, the one brother or sister that knew how to talk to mom or dad? And you're like, go, you go, you go. The boys do that now with Rivi. Rivi is the little priestess of the home. If, like, if there's something that I won't give them, they're like, Rivi, go ask. 
Rivi, ask if we can have candy. Daddy, I'm like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Why? Because we all need someone to stand on our behalf. And God also needed someone to stand on his behalf. Why? Because his, nat- his actual intention was not to stop at Israel, but start at Israel. He wanted to start at Israel because he saw the brokenness for humanity. And he was like, I need a way to get to them. And I'm going to choose a people. Why? Because if they devote themselves to me, if they just commit to me fully, if they rely on me fully, then I will use them to put myself on display. His actual intention was that Israel would be the mantle that he sat on so that humanity saw that there was an option outside of broken. That's what he wanted. But now, you've got to understand there was rules for the, for, for, to be a priesthood. The priests were the only tribe, the Levites, in the nation of Israel, were the only tribe that did not earn an income. Isn't that crazy? All the other tribes would bring their first fruits, a tenth of their income. They would bring everything they had and they would consecrate it. And what they were really saying was, we the people, we rely on you, our God. We the people rely on you, our God, with that which is the most important thing because it feeds us, it houses us, it keeps us. It even goes further than that. Our finances and our belongings keep us in good stead with those who come into our possessions, who come, sorry, into our land. We get to barter, we get to to make a way. It keeps us safe. This, this is what matters most. And we choose to put you first with it. Total reliance on you. But then within that, there was the priesthood. And they didn't even have the opportunity to earn. They only had the opportunity to serve. So let's just frame this for a second. Might we have been looking at generosity wrong? Have we, might, have we maybe been preaching it in years gone by from those terms that seem really favorable to man? Do we maybe preach it from gain instead of God? You know, like, do we preach it from what you might gain? Hey, if you tire the church, let me tell you, okay, you're going to get married. You're going to get a pinstripe suit. You shall get a jet. How? Like, like, is that what it is? And that's what we often do. But all of a sudden, we've created a consumer. And we give because of what we might get. But I don't think that is exactly wrong. I just think we've got the order wrong. I believe we should give to get, but we've got to ask the question, what is the primary getting that God wants? What is the primary getting? And if this is so, why don't we just go over to to John 3.16 for a second. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right there, you get it. He gave that which was first to him and most important to him that he might gain those that are far from him. So God gave his only son and his first reap what you sow moment was you or me. So if we want to give and get in the same manner as God, we don't give to primarily get more. We give to get people close to God. That's why we give. Like people church, that's why we get up in the morning and we think to ourselves, nah, I'm not parting with my finance or my time or my generosity because I just am believing in this like, name it and claim it kind of gospel. No, I am giving because I want to receive into the kingdom that which God gave his son for. Like, and I've always had this issue. Now, I'm telling you, we're going to get to the point where we get blessed because of it. But I think we've got to start at the place where we are a blessing. People, church, what would it look like if we were to give with a mentality that we leave a legacy? What would it look like if we are here to give that people far from God get to Him? Like, what would that look like? And maybe is the enemy using giving as the greatest strategy to keep people 
from God. Because you've got to understand that what this is saying, if we are looking at giving from this lens that God chose Israel as his priesthood and within the priesthood he chose a certain group, one tribe, to be the ones who act and serve in the house and they had no option to earn, they had options only to serve and the rest was taken care of for them. What if we are that priesthood then? Would it, would it maybe suggest that you and I, our best days, purpose, and changing the world starts when we realize that we are not here to look after ourselves, but to serve as the bridge and bring people close to Jesus? What would giving look like in the church if that was the case? Like how different would we approach it because it's not Carlos giving because he needs money back. It's not giving because he knows it's his. You know what trust often, the word translate, uh, trust translates in the New Testament to lay down on. To just, all right. You know how hard it is, if, you, if you're like someone that has to get something done, like, you, you know, yesterday, Ord's text, she was like, I'm five minutes away from the home, and I looked at the home, and the kids ransacked the home. Like, sometimes it looks like our kids broke in and stole stuff. <laughs> That's what it looks like. I'm like, I don't know what happened, but I think someone broke in. <laughs> right? And it was like five minutes. I'm like, mom's coming. <laughs> like, you get, everyone's running. It's like, ah! Like, we're thinking about everything that we could get done because, like, man, this house is not in order right now. Like, what is going on? It's like, we just get, we get, we, we turn into crazy people. Because we kind of think to ourselves, man, something's not right right now for what should be. And I want to put this out there. We could possibly absolutely change the world, but maybe we've just been looking at our purpose in it wrong. Because when you don't have purpose, you look to consume. It's funny how you awaken as a mother and a father when you have that child, and you go from thinking about us to only thinking about them. Because... Without children, you are your purpose. With children, you become theirs. They become yours. You think about how you can look after and sustain. What would it look like if you and I were to lay down and relax? Why? Because we know that everything that has to be taken care of has been taken care of, and therefore we can sit and rest on God. You can rest in areas of your marriage. You can rest in areas of your finance. You can rest in areas of all things. Why? Because you know that you've got your priorities right. Let's, let's throw this open. If, let's go to three points. If, if this is the case and God is looking for a people to partner with, and let's just keep in mind that every miracle in the Bible has, has come from partnership. God has never done it on his own, never. God has always partnered, whether turning water into wine, whether walking on water, whether feeding the 5,000, whether healing a blind man, whether starting ministry, Jesus, God has always, the Godhead has always partnered with humanity. In fact, let's throw over 2 Peter for me before we get into point number one. It says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He is not slow as some understand slowness. You know what that says? Point number one. Why hasn't God done everything that he's meant to do yet? Maybe because of point number one. Patiently waiting for partners. God is patiently waiting for partners. He waited hundreds of years for the Messiah to be birthed. Left a people in captivity until they finally were brought to their knees and internal knees saying, I need my Savior. He is so patient for us to catch up to purpose that he holds back. And we're sitting there saying, oh God, you're slow. Oh, you're slow with the people church vision. You're slow with the vision of, 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 of churches around the world. God, you're slow. Maybe he's not slow, but he's like, I won't move till you're ready because I don't want to arrive without you. He's waiting. What if, while we're sitting here saying, oh man, I can't wait till we get a building. 
I can't wait till we have a counseling center. I can't wait till we can help people get through trauma. I can't wait till we've got doctors. I can't wait till we have a school. Oh, the school's shutting down on the south side. I can't wait till we could start a school. Man, I can't wait till we've got more people on staff so we could do more hospital visits. Man, I can't wait till we can have a meal train that extends to the thousands at People Church. Man, I wish our church, because people have big expectations of church. Why isn't the church giving more? Why isn't the church loving more? I'll tell you why. Because it's practical. It's practical. Every moment of faithfulness in the Bible was nothing but a physical representation of a spiritual maturation. Something that happened inside lent to actually doing something out here. That's the only thing that it is. So God often looks throughout the world and although he could snap his finger and do it in a second, he's waiting for you and me to wake up and go, I will be your partner. I will be your priesthood. I will be that person that you could use to do something great. God, I know there are people that are hungry and instead of me pointing the finger and using the the catchphrase, capital C church, you've got to understand that you and I have the same DNA. Capital church doesn't have a national leader. It's you and me. The irony of people, new people in church is that they're looking at people judging how they are as Christians, not realizing that the other new person is looking at them going, that's a Christian. So we're, while we're pointing fingers, no one's actually picking up bricks. While we're pointing fingers, no one's feeding the homeless. While we're saying the church shoulda, we haven't woulda. He's just patient. Waiting for you and me to partner. Waiting for you and I to be that priesthood. No one ate like the priest, by the way. The priest got the selection of everything that came in. The priests were looked after by God. Everybody else had to go look after themselves. Put God first and then he looked after them. As a Christian, you've got to understand that the first thing that changed for your generosity to change is you had a position shift. You went from having to work to being looked after. Go to Matthew 6 for me. This is what it says in Matthew 6. Just quickly, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. Actually, go. Yeah, we'll read this one. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be uh, full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Pause right there. Basically what it's saying is, hey, you know how healthy you are determined by your perspective. Hold up, there's a key there. Oh, hold up. You don't see the opportunity to be generous. You don't see how you should honor God with your finances. You don't see how your finances are there to become a blank canvas that God might use you. Why? Because what God intended for Israel is let me show the world what happens when there are people that devote themselves to me and my teachings and let the world see the distinction between the people that I take care of and the people that take care of themselves. That's what he said. That's what he wanted. Even the Daniel fast is further proof of that. Oh yeah, that, they, they can eat that, but I'm going to eat this and I'm going to show how my God still sustains me. My practicality isn't where my sustainability comes from. It's my spirituality. It is the one who I am in covenant with because I said, you're looking for a people to put on display? I'll be your person to put on display. You're looking for a world, for a gift, for a lifespan, for 85 years at best, if that's what I've got. You're looking for 85 years to put on display? Let me set myself apart so that the world can see the difference between sustainability in my mind and when I put myself in the hands of God. This is what is happening. And so then all of a sudden he's saying, hey, if your perspective's off, you know, if if you don't see things correctly, it's because internally something's off. Therefore, I'm going to put to you that we're going to discover through this series and through this message that your giving is in direct relation to your spiritual health. Let's go to the second part here of this verse. It says this, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What? Why does it call money God and money? Like, why does it call God a master? Well, we get that part. But money? Name one concept in human history that directly opposes the reality of God. 
If God is your provider, your healer, if He brings you safety, if He feeds you, if He also gives you position and status, status throughout humanity, if He elevates, if He promises and keeps, if He puts food on the table, if He keeps, even gives you a better healthy living standard so that you could have better health care. I mean, all things, it seems that these are the things that God does, but yet money also offers a counterfeit opportunity. How many times have you prayed as heavily when you had little as you did when you were in abundance? Have you been more inclined to pray for your health when you couldn't afford health care? Or were you all about praying for your health when you had health care? No. You know what you did? You were like, I'm good there. False sense of security. You're laying down. You're trusting. But you're falling asleep on something fake instead of resting on something real. Meanwhile, let's keep the main idea here. There still seems to be a blank canvas. God looking throughout humanity, waiting for partnership. How can I display my goodness? Because God doesn't want to just do this for provision because why did he send his only son? That he might get us to return to him. He's trying to paint a picture that life is better with him and he wants to use you and me to paint that picture. This is what he wants. So if you go to Matthew, the next one, it says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about the body or what you will wear. It is not, is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Then it jumps down a few verses and it says this. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. You know that being a priest was about right standing. Being a priest was about you and me starting our day in the right place before God without any debt without anything owing and taking up our duties as priests. If you weren't trying to climb the corporate ladder, do you think you might, do you, think you might influence it a little better? If you weren't trying to hold on and look at every dime that you have and where it goes, do you think you might use it a little bit more freely? You know how you know when money holds you? You never have enough of it. You know money holds you when you've got a lot of it, but you don't have a lot of vision. You don't have vision because your vision doesn't extend beyond your well-being. But you know when you hold finance because money becomes an opportunity to do what comes most naturally. Let's go to Acts 2.42 for a second. Let's just see what the byproduct does. Because you've got to understand, Acts 2.42, there, there is no reference point before this verse of finance or giving or anything. But let's just see what a byproduct is when the internals are healthy, when the lamp of the body is healthy. Let's just see what seems to subside from people who love God when things are healthy. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. It's cool because you have the time to put God first because you're not worrying about how you're going to make your ends meet. Breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders. See, you can't possess all for what God is going to do when you're still concerned with what you need to do. There's no room for awe when there's a room full of worry. There's no room for awe when there's a room full of greed. There's no room for purpose when it's all about what you need. And then it goes down, many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Hmm. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread and their home, uh, bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Huh. So it seems that when people who have been forgiven much have a real collision with a God who takes care of all the things that none of us woke up wanting to do. Come on, like, just think about it. None of us, I would say that the most of us are upset on Monday because we chose what will put food on our table, not fill our soul. We hate Mondays because we're trying to do what only God wants to do for us. And we're not concerned with what we're meant to do for God. We hate Mondays because we chose a career and we ignored a calling because we're resting on finance, not on a savior. 
Why didn't you choose what you love? Because you weren't sure if it could sustain you. But what if what you love is what you were made to do? What if what you love is the mantle where you shine brightest? What if what you love might not seem like it brings something? It is obscure. It is crazy. For some reason, on the other side of this camera, you have always had a passion to start a thrift store. I don't think it would make money. I've got children. But I'll tell you this right now. That when you make yourself disposable and available to God, all of a sudden, he says, I've got a priest putting his hand up. I've got a priest putting his hand up. Let me, let me favor and bless what the world doesn't understand. If you think your dream and your passion point doesn't make sense, that is a God way of doing things. Why? Because if it doesn't make sense, it makes perfect opportunity for God to display His glory. It makes no sense to start a church in Chicago for an Aussie. It makes no sense to go into Barcelona when we're in a pandemic. But I just believe that People Church, We the People, is a statement founded on people who say, God, I'm not going to put my well-being before my purpose. Because it just seems that inspired people are generous as a byproduct. Let's go to point number two. I've got to speed it up. We're going over time. It's okay. You could log off, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Who are we waiting for then? Number two. If, if God is not waiting, like if we're not waiting on God, he's basically waiting for us. Well, who are we waiting for then? How many times, come on, don't, don't even say, just look straight ahead. I'm not even going to look at you when I say this. How many times have you sat in church saying people church should? How many times have you been upset that a pastor hasn't visited you? How many times have you had a killer idea that we should get to? Unfortunately, nothing in this world is free. You ever notice that? Hey, you guys should like do hospital visits, yeah, but people need to eat, and so like I have to pay those people that come to those hospital visits. Why isn't the church doing anything about high schoolers that don't have high school in the west side? Oh, because... Um, I could show up there, but like books even cost something. We should pay for more people to just get to grow group. Like babies, I love that. But like babysitters don't do it for free. Like I can't just walk into them and go, hey, the Lord has need of you. I, I can't do that. Do you ever realize that most people leave churches because they don't have what they need? And most churches don't have what they could give because people won't give what they need. The devil uses us to hold the very hand to hold us down that God wants to use to build us up. Oh, well, I'll do it if Joe Caden does it. I'll do it if Jake does it. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Who are we waiting on, though? Because Jesus already did it. Jesus paid the ultimate price. What did he do? He broke the line. You don't need permission to lift up your purpose. You just got a purpose that it's your time. You and me being generous is the difference between our building. Buildings aren't hard to get. Finance is just hard to part with. God's purpose isn't hard to achieve. It's just we don't always want to partner with it. We want to walk in to environments that have been built, but we don't want to be part of building. We want to sit in chairs, but we don't want to clean them. We want to talk about how the church isn't loving people, but we don't want to equip ourselves to love. We can be critical, but what are we doing about it? All I know is this, people, church, is that and if you're on the other side, I don't know who you are. All I know is this. I want to go home and be remembered. I want to leave a legacy. I want to go home and say this to God, that God, when he would see me go, you left it all on the field for me. You did everything. You used me. You laid back on me. And there, there was an opportunity, a partnership. This is what we're meant to do, which leads us to our, our third and final point is this, on display. I want you to remember this tomorrow when you wake up. I want you to remember it when you've got an opportunity to love on someone practically in a line behind you. When you're at a grocery store and someone is struggling to pay their bills and you've got it within you right now to help that person. I want you to think about it when you go to our, you know, as we're thinking of building this, this, this building and we're running towards it. Why? Oh, Chris, we've got so many things we could do as a church. Yes, we do. 
But guess what? We need offices. We need an opportunity to have counseling centers. We need to have an actual place to distribute food. We need the church to be generous to give food. We need people to give laptops if we're going to give schools laptops. We've got these opportunities. And you might go, Chris, that's just all practical. I'm just all about prayer. Well, guess what? Prayer is reserved for the things that we cannot do ourselves. Why are we praying about how to love our people when we've got the means to love our people? I don't need to pray about that. I think it's time. I think it's time that we, the church, be the church. Yeah, I'm just going to pray more. No, 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 no. You've got to understand that most of the things that we pray about as a church and hold prayer meetings are practical solutions well within our means. We've never forced our vision. But I'll tell you this, vision moves at the speed of generosity. Generosity, we're going to discover it over the next few weeks. We're going to discover what it is to be generous with your forgiveness. I don't think that this thing is like a, a, a money thing. If it's a spirit, you have it everywhere. So don't think this is going to be like, no, in this series, we're going to go hard out for giving people that we have not let off the hook for years. We are going to be generous with our praise. We are going to speak in our marriages to the things that we think, oh man, I'm over it. I've given up. If she won't change, I won't change. No, we're going to be generous with forgiveness. We're going to be generous with, with everything we do. We're going to be generous with our time. We're going to start in this series thinking, what happens if I start my day reclining in the presence of God instead of thinking about the things that are going to get done? We're going after it. And we're going after it. Why? Because I'm so sick of us sitting here. If we're not waiting on Him, what are we waiting for? Let's put ourselves on display. We the people. Let that be a statement. That in years from now, when somebody goes to a medical center because they can't afford health care, and we, the church have been able to pay for hundreds upon hundreds. What would it look like if we were to hand out over a thousand scholarships in the south and west side and we sent people to college? We're not going to sit here and just hold Zoom meetings about the fact that the color of people's skin has changed the opportunities. No, we're going to do something because we're the church. We're not going to sit here and say how nice it would be to go to an air-conditioned building. We're going to build one. Oh, but that's just, shouldn't we do it? Like, shouldn't people go to church anyway? Yeah, they should. But you know what? They start like this. I'm unapologetically passionate about it. Because I think we, the church, over-spiritualize that, which God just needs us to come up and say, use me. You don't need to be brilliant. You don't need to have a lot. But you got to take what you got and make it his. Church, I want to tell you, on that, same, on that same premise, if you're out here and you're like, man, this is convicting, this is inspiring, I could be a part of this church. Let me tell you, just before we even get there, let me tell you something. That before you start to stock take whether you could have purpose based on what you have available to you, you've got to understand that the greatest place you could come from is from a place of less than. And before anything, the reason People Church exists, the reason I preach with veins popping, is not because it's a technique, it's because I'm passionate. Why? Because I remember what it was like to not have anything. I remember what it's like to get diagnosis, that my life would be over. I remember those things, and I stand here today to tell you that we are passionate, we are unapologetic, that this thing, yes, it requires surrender. I'm not going to lie to you. It requires humility to follow Jesus. But I've got to tell you, there is something about getting to a point where you know you have no options like I did, that you say, you know what, I'll give this a go. And I'll promise you this, God will never leave you hanging. He will never leave you at less than. He will let you face some giants and you'll take some blows and that's okay. Because my God's big enough to understand that He can also play the role as, of healer as much as He can play the role of safe God. My God is so big that he realizes that the giants that inflict wounds become scars I could build my faith on. You're not fragile. You're not done. Don't worry about the questions that you don't have answers to right now. I'm asking you right now, life is about the gut feelings of right now. Is he here? Do you need hope? If not, at the very least, stick over these next seven weeks and see what God might do. And I believe, church, 
that these seven weeks are going to be pivotal to the breakthrough and the future of our church. I don't think we have to wait because God's not waiting. He wants to go. He's just waiting on us. If you're sitting there saying, Chris, man, I need that second chance. I need hope. I need anything. I'll try it. Then this is what we're going to do, okay? It's not complicated. It's not difficult. We're just going to pray a prayer. And we're going to ask Jesus into our heart as our Lord and Savior, meaning that change happens from the inside out. You might go, Chris, that's, that's, that's crazy. I need real change. Well, let me tell you this. You could not feel your loneliness or see it, but you felt it. You've never been able to paint a picture of your fear, but you are debilitized by it. Like, you might not always understand the angst, but it's there. See, there are tangible intangibles, and they all start on the inside of our life, and that's where God wants to start too. If you need hope, if you need breakthrough, if you are down and out, it is no coincidence that you stuck through this service, listening to this crazy guy talk about this thing. Why? Because God's got an option and an opportunity for you, and all it takes is you just saying, God, I'm in. If you just did that in your heart, you're like, I'm in there. Then all we're going to do is pray a prayer. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you. And we're going to invite Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And we're going to keep building this thing because God is going to use us to bring somebody else's worst day to an end. So come on, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. I thank you. You forgive me of all my sin. I have a hope, a future, and a purpose through a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Come on, amen, 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 amen. I'll tell you this before we close. Before we close, I believe this. If we would put ourselves to partner with God, I don't think there is a limit to the salvations that we will see, to the breakthrough that we will see over these next seven weeks. We can always say that one day the dam is going to break. But at what point do we start taking bricks apart? I want to read one last verse before we close. Uh, Do I have time? I'm going to do it. Let's do it. Haggai says this. I want you to think on this as the week closes. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. We could sit here and deliberate about is it the time to go? But I believe that if we're going to live gone, but not forgotten, we've got to understand that this is the time. And that in all our trying to get, we still don't have enough because we got the process wrong. Let's think on that this week. Let's believe that we can change the world. And we'll see you back here next week for another week in our series. Hey, I am absolutely moved by the fact that you're watching this. Uh, This is why People Church exists. It is about partnership. It is about you not doing this alone. It's about this being a symbolic moment. Even if you've got a million Bibles, this one means something new. And so we want to get this to you. uh, And all you have to do is actually text creation to the number on your screen and then accept the invitation. It's going to be in your email. And at that point, our team will reach out to you and they're going to get this to you, okay? It is just about getting you this gift. And the bonus of it is that you will then be in our Renee system, which is a artificially intelligent assistant. And basically, she's just there for your next steps. Whenever you want to know people, get prayer, find out what we believe, what's happening in the cities around you. Uh, She hooks you up. And so, hey, I want to just encourage you. The best is ahead of you. And this book is the beginning of a relationship with God. So take this gift. We love you. And again, remember, just text the number on the screen. uh, Accept the invitation. And then our team will reach out to you. It's going to be in your email. It's going to be awesome. We love you. And I want to encourage you, let's believe for big things during this series, Gone But Not Forgotten, A Life of Legacy. We'll see you around.